All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 236 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host today. Julian Gill, admin on the FAQ message board. I'm joined today by Marcus Almighty, Mark. Greetings. 69th Blizzard, Ken. Hello. And St. Louis Kiss, Lonnie. What's up? Thank you guys for joining me, and I'm sure you will join me in wishing Alex and his lovely wife uh, the very best of happiness on the birth of their first child this past weekend. So congratulations to you both. I hope you have all the joy and fun experiences that parenthood offers that I've had to enjoy. Flying poop is my favorite. I was changing the diaper and explosions and paintings on the wall. Paul Stanley would have approved of the pattern. So there we go. Nice. All right. Uh, no new Kiss products this week, I don't think. Tour is just continuing. Set list changed ever so slightly and is kind of stuck there. We've just posted a updated kind of track of where the tour is at in terms of box scores because a bunch of them did get adjusted and changed from 96% to sellouts. Um, so that's up on the board if you're interested in following that stuff. Um other than that, nothing else is going on. So we're going to – we're about a few days away from the anniversary of Dress to Kill. So we're going to dig into this album and do a happy birthday Dress to Kill episode like we did with the first album last month and kind of go through some metrics about the album and uh, see what everyone thinks about this one. For me personally, it's always been a sister album to Crazy Nights. So I'm going to leave that there and come back to that comment later. Mark, since you're throwing things around in front of your lovely powered video camera, um, <laughs> what are you, what are your first memories of obtaining Dress to Kill? Um, well, Dress to Kill actually was probably one of the last albums I actually got out of all the Kiss records, um, mainly because a lot of my friends had it and they um, – you know, it was played a lot in other people's cars and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, we didn't, uh, I didn't see a need to really go run out and grab it because I always had somebody else, you know, who was playing it. And, uh, I, I liked it. I thought that it was a vast improvement over hotter than hell, like production and sonically. Um, but yeah, it was, a. I, I, the one thing that struck me right away with it was just how short it was. And especially when you get the vinyl version of it later, you figure out how uh, big the gaps are in between the songs. You're like, what the, what's going on? Is there another song there? And all of a sudden, another one will start up. Like, it's like pretty big gaps in between songs for the vinyl. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a 30 minute record. That's it, you know? Yeah, and that's pushing it as well. Ken, how about you? Where did it fall into your um, kind of orbit as a young Kiss fan? Yeah, I, I think I remember getting it for 19, I was going to say 70. I think it was Christmas of uh, 78, I want to say, that I got it. Um, for Yeah, I think it was Christmas. Uh, it's one of the ones that I probably put on my Christmas list after I got, you know, live two and, uh, and also the, uh, you know, double platinum. 
I thought, oh, you know, rock and roll, rock and roll all night. It's, you know, that's a pretty good song. So it's that was one of the earlier ones that I would get. So uh, I did get it at that time, and uh, I remember enjoying it. Um, it was kind of weird, you know, waiting for all those songs, you know, going through all the songs just to get to rock and roll all night <laughs> at the beginning. Um, but uh, I started, I started liking the album a lot more when I was, you know, listened to it a few times. Lonnie. Um, I want to say I got it. 95, late 95, early 96, somewhere in that neighborhood. I had double platinum and I had a live. So I had songs off of it. So it wasn't a priority in my early stages of fandom. Um, because, and, but, and, and here's an interesting thing. I was, because I had double platinum, I was surprised. It had, no, no, no. I take it. It had to have been earlier 95. It was before MTV unplugged. It was before I saw MTV unplugged when they did, cause they did rock bottom on MTV unplugged because when I bought it, I was surprised that that intro was in front of rock bottom and not she, because the first time I heard that intro right. was in front of she on double platinum. So, and I remember watching MTV Unplugged and I wasn't like, why are they doing this? It's supposed to be on she. So it had to have been before pre prior to Halloween night of 1995 when I watched MTV Unplugged. So sometime 94, 95, that neighborhood, I guess, because uh, I, like, again, I had double platinum. I had a live. So I had the hits off the album. I had come on and I had rock and roll on that. I had she, eh? so, um, but it's, it's so around in there, but you know, fantastic record. But we'll get into it. But so 94, 95, 14 or 15 years old. Yeah, you've pretty much summed up how I got you know the album into my orbit, and that was obviously Alive and Double Platinum were the big mm-hmm. bang for buck albums that I bought early on, and then I went back, and it was usually what what cover was cool, and you know, rock and roll over. I know it was cool and that that came quickly love gun and then probably the first album then i don't really remember so it, it was sometime after those so it was late into the catalog i don't remember being particularly affected by the the move of the uh, rock bottom intro like like you were but mm-hmm. i think there was more a difference in the mix uh, the sound of the album to me yeah, it's almost silent on double five <laughs> yeah i mean it's it, it's it's yeah so th- that's all I remembered it. You know, last month when we talked about the first Kiss album, we talked about how the reviews weren't as negative as, you know, legend has it, you know, that Kiss was hated. Now, I just want to read a bit of Rolling Stone's uh, review of Dress to Kill from July 1975. And it's... Uh, Kiss does not play music. It makes very high volume noise. If rock and roll intrigues you, though, you'd best be advised that for all the simplicity, overstatement, and repetition within its records, Kiss does make fantastically successful rock. Driven by Gene Simmons' remarkably inventive bass lines and the cacophonous poundings of drummer Peter Criss, Kiss makes Chuck Berry chords and basic rock progressions come alive with energetic urgency. Simple, yes. Repetitive, yes, sir, but like the Stooges, <laughs> Kiss manages to avoid monotony. 
that's a fucking excellent review. I mean, pretty good. Come on, you've just been compared to you've had Chuck Berry and the Stooges name dropped in you. You've been called successful, cacophonous poundings of Peter Chris, uh, in, inventive bass lines for Gene. Um, you know, but not mentioning what Kiss is really about, guitars. Um, other, other than loud, I guess it, it really hits the nail on the head. So even still in 1975 in Rolling Stone. Kiss was getting positive press, was uh, which is you know very surprising if you take the history that we've been you know spoon fed. Um, let's talk about the singles. Um, Rock and Roll All Night was the first single that came out in March 1975. Became their first minor hit. I think it hit 68 on the U.S. charts, um, which is nothing spectacular. It was followed up by Come On Love Me in July. Both of them were backed by getaway mm-hmm. um yeah. mm. were these the right picks and orders as far as you're concerned or would you have chosen differently for the singles releases from the album can start with you on this yeah i was looking at that and i think they're i think it's the right choice um definitely you know rock and roll night is such a catchy tune um anthem type song that he had to release it i can't see much anything else being released before that i mean come on and love me is a a, you know a very good song which i you know i like it (laughs) it's probably the other top song on the album um but uh i just think more people would gravitate to rock and roll night before uh that song so I think it's right. And, you know, putting Getaway on the back of both of those, I don't know. When you put the same song on the backside of two singles, it's, it's kind of telling you that they think it's it's not single worthy or it's trash. Um, um, I, or they think there's going to be a lot more singles to come off the album, which that wasn't going to happen. So I just think uh, Getaway should probably have been on one, one, one single backside and then some other song on, on the B side of the other one. I just noticed that my audacity is still recording from when I was doing trace, uh, tape transfers earlier. Excuse me. Just kill it right now. <laughs> Uh, it, it won't be killing our bandwidth. Lonnie, what about you in terms of singles? I mean, can I think you, by saying that uh, it was trash getaway being put on both singles, that was it mean for nothing to they, lose? They think, the I'm saying album? they think so. I don't think it's trash. I, I actually like the song a lot. No, I, I, yeah, and, and yeah. you know, did they think that nothing to lose was, or what was it that was the B side on two two singles? Beth. No, no, that was one no, of off the first album. There were there were two. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. oh the first album. Yeah. So, whatever. All right, Lonnie. What are your thoughts on the singles? As far as two singles go, I don't. I don't think you could have gotten gotten it any better. I think they're the best two songs on the album. Like Ken said, rock and. I mean, say what you want, hardcore Kiss fans. Say what you want about rock and roll night. Maybe you're tired of hearing it, but it is a catchy song. And at, some, and at one point in your Kiss fandom, you probably love the song as as much as you may be tired of hearing it now. At one point. In your Kiss fan, you probably thought it was, it was great and it was, it, it meant a lot to you at one point. And Come On and Love Me is one of my favorite Kiss songs and probably my top five Kiss songs of all time. It's so catchy and so great, top to bottom. So 
I think they, they couldn't have gotten it any better as far as the two singles go. As far as Getaway goes, it's weird having Getaway being the B-side on both of them, but I don't know. I might have put Room Service or Two Timer on there because they probably weren't going to release them as singles. But I would have liked to see seen another song get a little love on as a B-side or, you know, or any, anything from my baby or lover. I can't. I always I love those two songs. So it would have been it would have been nice to see another song on the album get a little love because I don't know, because Ken said, well, maybe, well, let's just trash it by just get away on there. But maybe maybe you could look at it from another perspective, thinking that, well, maybe there's no other songs worthy of putting out there as a as a single or even a B-side too. And I think there's a lot of great songs on, on Dress to Kill. So I would, I would have liked to put something else out there as a B-side. All right, Mark, what's your take on these singles? Um, well, I think that uh, the singles were correct as far as which ones to pick. But I think I would have flip-flopped them. I think I would have probably put Come On Love Me out first. And then I would have probably put Rock and Roll Night Out after. I just something about Come On and Love Me I think is slightly more radio friendly to me than the other one. I mean, it's you know they're both great songs. Don't get me wrong, right? But I mean, I I I think that from I don't know from just what I was used to hearing on the radio, I just thought that maybe that would have been a better pick. I agree about the fact that. They should have probably picked another B-side for one of the two. Like, throw a Gene song for one of them. Like, maybe, I don't know, Ladies in Waiting or something. But just something different for the B-side on one of them. Because, I mean, I, I like Getaway as well. So, I don't have really any issue with it being on both of them. But I think I just would have flip-flopped them. There's no doubt that those are the two best songs for singles off that record, no matter what. So, But it's not my favorite song. We'll get to that later. Absolutely, and I I kind of agree with Ken that they make they make sense the songs as they were, you know, released. I I can't even go into any revisionist kind of mind frame and say well they should have you know even just flipped them around. Rock and roll all night as an anthem that was what they were looking for. That was the whole idea of recording the album fast and doing that sort of song. So it makes sense that they they led with it. Um, I just want to read a couple of reviews here for these, and these are both out of Cashbox. And Rock and Roll All Night got uh, reviewed in their April 19th edition, and it's pounding drums and ferocious guitar roar open the song from the group's the group's latest album. The undulating beat and anthem-like quality of the chorus add up to a satanic hit from the onstage masters of fright rock. A monster of a song is destined for top 40 acceptance. Yeah. That's pretty good. Satanic rock. Satanic and ferocious. And I mean, you listen to the limp ass production of, you know, the anthem and you're like, which version is he listening to? Um, And then they followed up with a review of uh, Come On and Love Me. Neil, what have you created? A monster with ingenious lyrics written from the sleazier side of being a rock star. Paul Stanley has written a blazing high energy rocker that illustrates why this group enjoys the fanatic dedication coterie it does you will play it you will enjoy it It said with a german accent apparently so uh no i mean those are cash box so you know take them for what they are um they're not exactly uh written by actual critics because uh 
it's a trade rag but still i love the effort that went into writing all that and i and i agree i mean come on and love me is definitely in my top 10 of kiss songs always has been i've loved it since day one and it's one of two kiss songs that i seem to recall were the first two i tried to learn to play on guitar way 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 back when uh this both of them from this album so you know it's surprisingly good choice of songs and coming on love me didn't chart and rock and roll all night barely charted if you Mm -hmm. figure so you know not bad stuff but probably the the right way to um go about promoting the album for a record label that was still struggling all right next question how well do you think the track order of the album works and if you'd been in charge of it would you have sequenced it differently? Mm-hmm. Mark, you're nodding enthusiastically, so we'll go straight to you. Yeah, well, I, I did my homework research all afternoon on this. So, um, yeah, I think I would have probably switched a few things around on it. I don't think it's a terrible track order by any stretch of the imagination, but um, I think I would have flipped a few things. Like for side A, I put room service to start i think it's a great opener i've always loved that song uh i put ladies and ladies in waiting second and then i put anything for my baby after that third i pushed two timer down as fourth and kept rock bottom as the ending of side a then on side b i left it with come on and love me to start but then i put getaway as the next song and then I moved Rock and Roll All Night up to number three or in the middle spot, bring it up more. I, I thought leaving Rock and Roll Night at the end was kind of doing a disservice to it. I think it deserves better position than that. And then I put Lover All I Can fourth and ended the album with She. I thought it's kind of the, you know, slow prodding song and just leave that one kind of at the end to kind of close it off. Nice. Good logic as well. I mean, for me, I, I found it very difficult to resequence this. I was actually listening to it a fair amount and trying it in different orders, and nothing felt right. I just couldn't come around to anything that that worked after, you know, listening to it for decades. So I kind of gave up and just cop out. I'm going to say that I'm going to switch Room Service and Rock and Roll All Night to have Rock and Roll All Night as the lead off of side A and Come On and Love Me remains the lead off to side B, the singles. And that's just a really wimpy excuse for doing absolutely nothing to this album. So, Ken, how about you? Did you uh, resequence it or have thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I didn't know if I needed to, but I, I did I did resequence it. Um, I didn't listen to it. I, I did listen to it back after I did that, but, um, uh, this is how I did it. Um, and my, th- my thinking was with the rock and roll night, um, I thought that was a better starting song for the whole album. So I moved it from the end of the album to the beginning, uh, where the, where the, you know, the drums come, are coming in, you know, it kicks in and then it kicks into the, uh, the chords and everything, and I thought it would be a great beginning, actually, for an album. Usually, they, they like the singles early on an mm-hmm. album side, whether it's side one or side two. So I just thought this is going to be a great start off, and it's going to just get the person, you know, uh, rocking right at the beginning. So uh, number two, I put "Come On and Love Me" as number two. I I put it from side two. 
uh, in the first song side two to number two in the order. I just thought it's going to be a single. It's got to be pretty early. And I think it's a good song to follow up rock and roll night. Just like the singles coming out, you know. <laughs> um, uh, then I went to two, uh, two timer as a number three song. Uh, I put number lover all I can as number four. Um, I put she as number five to end that first side out. That's a good and then choice. I let I like, I like that closing out the yeah. side A. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, room service, I actually start the side two instead of side. So I moved it to side two, and then followed by getaway, um, and then eight ladies in waiting, nine anything for my baby, and I ended with rock bottom at the end. Nice. The album. Interesting. With the, you know, where you have the, uh, towards the end, you have more of the uh, uh, what distortion, usually on the, the vinyl albums, you know, mm. back then. So I figured that at least the slow part or the acoustic part, which is called George, I, I from what I understand, um, <laughs> uh, is would fit there. But even though rock bottom, you know, rocks out at the end, but whatever. Um, yeah, that's my order. <laughs> cool. Lonnie. You uh, completed yours. You're still on mute, though. <laughs> Hello again, everybody. Um, I have. Um, well, while I don't have a problem with the track listing, I mean, it's, I mean, it's something I've listened to for more than half my life. I don't have a, you know, it, it's it is dressed to kill, and I really don't have a problem with it. But if I was gonna rearrange it. I thought it'd be fun to have rock bottom lead off the album in the vein of rock and roll over where it starts off slow and then you go right into it after that. Mm. I thought that'd be fun. So I did rock, I did rock bottom and then two timer and still in the second hole and then come on and love me get away and closing out the first side with ladies in waiting and then I started the second side with rock and roll all night because it was a a single and they had every intention of making it a single. Um, so like, and like Ken said, they had, it was a big thing to have your lead track on side A or side B, be, be one of your, your main tracks or singles off the album. So rock and roll all night, anything for my baby, love it all I can, room service, and then close out the album. Like Mark said, with she, I thought that'd be, I think that's a cool way to close it out. And, you know, they, they, they had a cool way of closing out albums at the time with Black Diamond with Strange Ways. And mm-hmm. on this, they did, it was, it was rock and roll night. So kind of keep it in that vein. I thought she'd be a cool way to close it out. Great. I'm glad some of you gave way more thought to it than I did. Felt like it was. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's do the Kiss FAQ panel ranking of uh, the. Dress to Kill album. And of course, we're stealing this methodology from our friends Greg and Steve at LipstickGeneration.com. This is how they approach doing many of their podcast episodes. And each song is given a score for its position from least favorite to most favorite. So your top song will get 10 points. Your least favorite gets one since there are 10 uh, 10 songs on this album. And then we'll add them all up and figure out what the, uh, the FAQ panels is. So from 
your least favorite to your most favorite. And you're going to have to go slowly because I'm going to be going to try and mm -hmm. do this real time and screw it all up. All right, let's go. Mark, start okay. with you. So we want me to go through all 10 or just the number 10 one first? Yeah, go volcano it. Okay. So my number 10 least favorite song on the album is Two Timer, followed by number 9, which is She, followed by number 8, which is Anything for My Baby, followed by number 7, which is Rock Bottom, followed by number 6, which is Lover All I Can Be. And then we got number five, which is I Gotta Get Away, Get Away. And then we got number four, which is Ladies in Waiting. Dun, dun, ladies. Then we got number three, which is I Wanna Rock and Roll All Night. That's number three. Number two is Come On and Love Me. Dun, 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 dun. And my number one song is Room Service. Wow. All right, so let me read that back from least favorite to most favorite. Two-timer, she, anything for my baby, rock bottom, love her all I can, get away, ladies in waiting, rock and roll all night, come on and love me, and room service. Correct. All right. I, while doing that, discovered that I only have nine songs in my list, so I'm <laughs> obviously a complete moron. Okay, Lonnie. Let's go to you. Your 10, please. So am I going from least to best? What am I doing? Yeah, worst, yes. worst to best. Worst to best. I'm going to start with Getaway, then Ladies in Waiting. Number three is Two Timer, and then Room Service. Sorry, Mark. <laughs> and followed by Rock Bottom. She, then Rock and Roll All Night, Love Her All I Can, Anything for My Baby, and my favorite song off the album is Come On and Love Me. Nice. All right. Um, I still gonna I'm gonna have to like pause when we get to my turn because I have no idea. I'm lost. Whatever song you miss has to be your number has to be your least favorite off the album because you can't even remember. Uh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe. All right, Ken. How about you? <laughs> All right. My least favorite uh, ranking on this um, is number anything from my baby. Number nine. Um, number eight. Wait, get what, what was number nine? You, what was number nine? Room, room service. Okay, okay you yeah. blew up that. Oh, sorry. And so you got eight. It's uh, getaway. Seven is two timer. Six is ladies in waiting. Five is rock bottom. Uh, four is lever all I can. Three is she. Two is come on and love me. And number one is rock and roll all night. 
Wow, you're a sheep, rock and roll night. I'm giving credit is due. No, no love for uh, for room service there. What's going on? All right, so uh, I'll be uh, turning the topics over to you guys to talk about while I do the math after I read mine because I cannot chew bubble gum and walk. I will fall <laughs> over. Um, all right, from least favorite, uh, let me just recap Ken's. They were anything from my baby, room service, getaway, two-timer, ladies in waiting, rock bottom, love her all I can, she, come on and love me, and rock and roll all night. So he gets the gold star from the teacher for choosing rock and roll all night as number one. Uh, me, I did not. My least favorite, ladies in waiting, followed by anything for my baby, two-timer, she, getaway, rock and roll all night as number five, room service, rock bottom, come on and love me, and my favorite, that great raspberry song, Love Her All I Can. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Mark, why yes. that? Why that order? Why is room service and come on and love me your favorites and she and two time your least favorites? Well, um, room service has always been the song that caught me from this record right from the very beginning. I mean, the very first time I heard that song, I thought it was a fantastic way to start. It's very upbeat. Uh, one of Paul Stanley's more uh, kind of energetic vocal on record. I mean, sure, he's great on every album, but you know, I, I really, I really liked it. It had a lot of a, uh, you know, appeal, and you know, you can you can imagine when you're like a 16 year old, him talking about you know getting some room service. It's it's like it's the coolest thing ever, right? Um, and then uh, "Come On and Love Me" has always been a very catchy song. I've said that from the beginning. I have always thought that it was a well written song, and the fact that it's a solely paul stanley credited song is impressive because i think that uh it just shows how good of a songwriter paul stanley was even back then i mean some of the songs that they wrote back then there were some joint writing credits with him and gene like for rock and roll night and stuff like that so it's very cool to see uh paul write such a strong song early on in in his career as far as uh two-timer and she goes i don't dislike she i thought she is excellent on alive i think it's one of my favorite versions of that song is on that album but i think it's kind of a bit plodding on this version on the record i i just don't think it has the same razzmatazz as it does on alive and two-timer i just think is one of those like you know we need another song gene what do you have in your pile of you know half completed songs kind of thing so I think they kind of just grabbed that one and put it on there. Whereas the funny thing is, while I think Two Timer is kind of terrible, I, I actually like Ladies in Waiting, Waiting. I've always thought it was kind of a pretty good Gene song, actually. So uh, it's, it's interesting how they put those back to back on the record, though. One kind of, you know, a, a snoozer yeah, yeah. and the other one's kind of a lot better. You know what I mean? So I've always thought that that was a interesting combination. But, you know, and I think I've also at that point, to be all quite honest, is that I kind of also discovered the Wicked Lester album around that same time when I started getting into this. And when I discovered the uh, Wicked Lester version of She, I was like horrified by the flutes and all that on there. So I think that also scarred me a bit to this song as well. So, um, yeah, I'd never really ranked high the studio version. But like I said, the live version on a live gets the double thumbs up from me. Ken, how about you and your top choices? Obviously, are the singles and your bottom two choices are Room Service and Anything for My Baby. Why those? 
Um, room service? I'd say room service. You were number nine with room service. When? Oh, okay. Uh, oh, you're right. Um, I don't know. Room service, I thought, always thought was kind of, you know, it was a good song. Um, but maybe I got tired of it, hearing it as <laughs> the lead off to the album. And so I just wanted to push it down the list. Um, but, uh, I mean, it's a good song. I, you know, I have nothing against it. I mean, I like the whole album. So the only reason I changed some of the order is to, like, Mark was kind of saying, you know, putting two Gene songs back to back, that usually doesn't happen on the album. So I, I, I tried to, you know, move things around in that fashion too, um, other than trying to put the singles up front. So, you know, there's no super science to it, just what I thought might work. What about your top picks? Well, oh, like Rock and Roll Light? And yeah, like why you picked those ones? Um, those are just you know, those are my favorite songs. That that's the way I listed it. I the, I those are my two favorites. Um, I just think they're great songs. Um, so you, even though you honestly yeah, think they're all, the strongest ones, you think they're honestly the strongest ones? You think or? Well, yeah, come on and love me, and yeah, I think Rock and Roll Night is a, a very strong song. If I hadn't heard it a million times. Because when I first heard it, the first time I heard that song, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, I want I wanted to listen to it over and over again. Now the only thing missing about it is, uh, you know, the guitar solo. Yeah. In rock and roll, that's the only thing drawback of that song. That's why they got it right on Alive, where they, you know, have a guitar solo. Um, like you said though, on She, for instance, that is kind of plotting everything again on Alive seemed to get better be a better version than what was on the albums, you know, going back to when we talked about the first album, same thing, you know, firehouse plotted or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it got, it got much better, you know, as a, as a, a live song. So, so what about Lonnie? Um, <laughs> so my top two were anything for my baby and come on and love me Two of the, you know, Neil Bogart, catchy bubblegum songs on the album, if you will. You know, I and my and my number eight pick was Liberal I Can. Again, another catchy song as well. It's like even my top three picks are very just catchy songs that kind of stay in your head. And that's what I like. I mean, they're 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 that's what I mean, that's what sticks with you is a song that you can't get out of your head. Those those are great examples of, of those. Um, and my bottom two are Getaway and Ladies in Waiting. Two songs that maybe aren't that catchy as, as opposed to as opposed to those. So I mean, that, that's really how I ranked. I mean, songs that I that I that I like and songs that stick with me. And, and the top ones do, and maybe the the bottom ones, you know, not so much. So well, with with that said, do you find are you surprised then that they didn't use some of those as singles, like anything for my baby? I am surprised, and I I love love her all I can. I'm I'm with Julian. I actually. Looking at them with Julian, I probably should have swapped anything from Baby and Lover All I Can and made Lover All I Can my second favorite as opposed to anything from my baby. I, and I just, and I don't know, they're like one and one A to me. I really like both of them. They're both, and I, I am, when, when I look at it, if, you know, if I was going to choose a third single on it, I would have chose one of those two songs. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, and I think maybe that Bogart might have done the same thing if he would, if they were going to have a third single off it, that he, he would have chosen a, a catchy, 
radio friendly type song because that's who he was. I think yeah. if there was a third single on it, it would have been one of those two. Um, am I, I am I surprised or not? No, because Rock and Roll Night and Come On and Love Me are great. And you know, like I said earlier, say what you want about Rock and Roll Night, it's overplayed, but well, it is a great song though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and most, at one point, most normal people don't go to hundreds of concerts, have thousands of bootlegs. And right. listen to the catalog is I mean, it's just not healthy to listen right. to songs that much. And it's no We longer, are in the minority. Yeah, that we're a yeah. little bit tired of that song. Yet I will say at all the shows I've been to, I've loved the shit out of Rock and Roll all night and a lot of the songs and it's not just because, you know, these are the final shows. Well maybe it is. And suddenly there's a poignancy <laughs> to listening to each of those songs, especially when Rock and Roll All Night is the last song in the sass that night. Um you're all of a sudden you're like you know, clapping them on, going crazy. <laughs> hey, one more time, yeah. You know, doing a stagger dance like I'm having a seizure. So, all right. <laughs> I I think I managed to add all of these up uh, correctly for the purposes of this panel. So let's go song by song. The Kiss of AQ panel from least favorite to favorite for Dress to Kill. And bottom place substantially in the lowest place with 11 points, two-timer is our least mm-hmm. favorite song on uh, this album. And it's just turgid to me. It, yeah, I'm not shocked in the slightest. It's, you know, Gene, we need a song. And it's not even, yeah. he couldn't even be bothered to go to his pile of notebooks. He's like, <laughs> just, okay, we're going to do this. <laughs> and, and just came Time. up with just something very yeah. lacking. Uh, co- quick comments on two-time or Mark? Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I mean, it's a, definitely his, his weakest song on the record and probably, you know, just the weakest song overall on the album. I have to agree. I didn't, I never thought it was strong. I was surprised actually it was so high up on the, you know, in the, you know, being a side A song, you know. Yeah, Ken, now you rate, rate, ranked this the highest out of all of us. So, uh, uh, what, at seven? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's really high. Um, well, I don't know. I, I thought the songs like I like it. Well, I like the the verses. Um, I think the verses are are good. It's problem when it kicks into the chorus. It's not a good chorus. Um, I think the, it's a great lead in with you know great re- lead into it, but the chorus just kind of fails and it kind of you know repetitive and just like okay, it's, it doesn't really go anywhere. So that's the real problem with that song. Otherwise, it's okay, you know, for me. That's why it's seven. All right, Lonnie, final words on Two Timer. You know, it's not it's not a great song. And I can remember, I was just thinking about this as we were talking about it, just memories of that song. I was in college, and I was, I had two, I, I was driving two girls back to campus or something, and I had this song on. It's not what you think, <laughs> driving two girls back to campus. But... <laughs> <laughs> I had this song on in the car for whatever reason. And one of them's like, what are we listening to? This is terrible. And I'm like, oh, no, this is good. And they're like, no, this is awful. <laughs> I was very disappointed. Oh. And I was like, oh, no. I'm like, no, this is terrible. You should have sw- switched over to Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. They probably would have enjoyed I, that a lot more. They probably would have enjoyed a lot more than Kiss from 1975. I, 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 I thought the story was going to go that they might have given you a, an odd, an not odd glance. Go where he thought it was going to go. I thought they were going to give you an odd glance that you were hinting at something with that song, you know? No. <laughs> yeah. 
It's not dating either one of them. The story is not going anywhere. Uh, all right. Our, in ninth place, on 14 points, anything for my baby. And it's that, that's a little bit surprising, actually, since it's so poppy. And it's really not that much different than, you know, some of the more up-tempo stuff on that album. But I have just never... It, to me, it's the same thing as Two Timer, except Paul wrote it. It's just a throwaway, quick song that's underdeveloped and lacks any kind of nuance or seasoning. So, um, Star Child, yeah, you, you pulled out a good, catchy song, but it doesn't really do anything. It's just like having water thrown on you instead of champagne. Mark? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's not a bad song. I think the thing that initially kind of threw me off on it was that the, the drum beat at the top of it reminded me of rock and roll night i kind of started out with mm. that saying do 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 and i was like wait a minute what is that i thought that was later on and then all of a sudden they started doing their singing and i was like oh wait a minute this is a totally different song but it was the same drum beat it, so um yeah you know it's not let's put it this way paul rarely writes real terrible songs so i can't put that in that bracket but it's definitely not as strong as I mean. This is this is total garbage compared to Come On and Love Me, right? But it's it's just let's just put it this way. It's just his weakest song probably that he wrote for this record. So and in a weak Paul Stanley song, a lot of the times could be better than most people's decent songs, I guess. All right, Lonnie, you ranked this the highest yeah. out of all of us. So uh, talk is down here. I I like it. It's catchy. It 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 has a good groove to it. It's, you know, like the first verse, like the first verse is I'm in love and it feels so good because I need her. That's all. I, I think that's awesome. I, th- I think the lyric, I think, I think it's great. I think all three of you are crazy. Personally, <laughs> I, I can't believe it's, I can't believe it's the second song we're talking about as far as worst to best. So, I mean, I had it, I had it ranked number two. I mean, second best song on the album. So I'm, I'm shocked. I, I legit. I mean, I guess if I wouldn't have ranked it so high, it would have been either last or second to last. If I wouldn't have ranked it so high, I, I, I ruined the curve on this song. So, Ken, make him feel better. Say something nice about it. Even well, the thing is, even if uh, you this... ranked it your least favorite, <laughs> yeah, it's it's skewed because Ken and I both had this very, very, very low down. You know, right. I so ruined one, the curve. Yeah. Well, yeah, so the deal is, I do like, you know, it's okay. Certain parts of the song I like. And what I what I don't like is, and it doesn't happen that often in songs where they start off the song with the chorus. Because that's, that's how the song starts, is the yeah. chorus. Starts, and that usually doesn't happen in songs. Mm-hmm. Um, so they start off with the chorus, and then it goes, dun 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 I would have rather them do the that get the chorus out of the way and just started and then kick in to the verses. And I think the verses are fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, I just love the verses. Uh, but again, it's similar to that Gene Simmons song where the, the chorus is like, it doesn't do a lot in anyway, It doesn't go anywhere. So that's, that's why I ranked it down. All right. Well, and, I don't know if that made him feel any better. But. No. <laughs> <Not in the laughs> explanation. It's like when someone, someone comes up to you, I love that song, and someone turns around. It's like being on the message board sometimes. I really right. like that, and everyone turns around. It You're sucks. <laughs> 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 wrong. 
<laughs> All right. So next we have a tie for uh, two songs. Getaway and Ladies in Waiting. Yeah. Ladies in Waiting, I hate with a passion. <laughs> I'm not a fan. That was my least favorite on the album, obviously. And I just... I go to the market and the meat looks good to nut. <laughs> uh, you couldn't have filet, that's a, that's a perfect kiss lyric though. You couldn't it's have a better gene lyric. That, yeah, that's a total gene lyric. That's a total gene lyric. I mean oh, yeah. that's like signature gene lyric almost. Oh well, yeah, I mean, yeah. That's a, that's that's right Meet up there. You in the ladies' room. I mean, that's right up there with put my log in your fireplace. I mean, that is right up there with it. No, it, right. you've got that backwards. It's right down there with. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we know we know it's going to rank burn, bitch, burn when we do the animalized episode. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tempt me. <laughs> Shakespearean gene. Of course, I, that, that means on. I have to listen to that album, which isn't really. Yeah, it, it's just not very good. Let's talk about Getaway, you know. Which is, okay. Just gonna skip it. Okay. Yeah. Well, Ken, say something nice about these songs, which are at the bottom of our list. Well, which one? Oh, Ladies in Waiting. Well, Ladies in Waiting, uh, again, is it's same thing. I think a lot of the songs around this time period, or in the rushed. in between tours on the third album uh, it seemed to write good verses and then some of them the choruses are just you know three words repeating or, or something like that anything for my baby and ladies in waiting ladies in waiting and or two timer two time I mean it's a lot of at that time and in a rush they just the choruses let's just repeat the just repeat the words just repeat it over yeah. and over uh, type thing so that's I mean that's the drawback there uh, with not having enough time to I think think out the full song and and come up with something better for the chorus so that's what I think about that getaway actually you know it's it ranks what I put it at eight I actually like it probably better than that but that's where it ended up um, no particular reason I think it's a I think it's a good ace song and I think uh Peter Chris does a fantastic job singing on it. Yeah, that was yeah. going to be one of the positives that I mentioned. You know, Peter's vocal's fantastic, and it's actually got a good rhythm to it. Um, Lonnie, you love anything for my baby, and we're offended by mm -hmm. that, but yet this is your least favorite song on the album. <laughs> we're offended. What can I say? It doesn't do a whole lot for me. They're really kind of the same song. Just with no, they're not. One. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> not the same song at all not even close but i i don't know it just doesn't do much for me do you hate peter chris or something i mean no i don't hate peter chris that's my Ooh. line steal my line <laughs> um no i don't hate peter chris and i i think it's a i i just it it doesn't do a whole lot for me you know if we want to there's, there's other peter chris songs i would rank really high for other albums but it so the, the, the issue is you, you know, another you know, one. What can you say? You know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, in life, either either a song just doesn't do it for you. Maybe, you know, somebody says, well, that's an, you know, look at, look at her. Look at that girl. You know what? She just doesn't do it for me for whatever reason. And your friends might look at you like you're crazy. But for whatever reason, you know, it, it just doesn't work for me. Now, do you want yeah. to defend yourself about ladies in waiting while we're at it? Or should we go tomorrow? No, I, I, I <laughs> Where did I put ladies in waiting? 
I put that number two second to last. I don't have to defend myself. You put them in the ladies' room. You don't like it either! (laughs) (laughs) Right, but this isn't about me. We're talking about you. (laughs) You're on the hot seat right now, not me. (laughs) All right, Lottie's had had a hot take there. It doesn't do anything for me either. All right, Mark, <laughs> Mark, did we? Uh, did, did you get to have your piece on this? Well, I mean, I ranked them like four and five, so I had them pretty high up on my list. Um, Ladies in waiting, I kind of think is kind of the quintessential Gene song. I mean, the lyrics are total Gene. You can't get them mixed up and say, "Oh, maybe that's a Paul song." It's definitely a, a Gene lyric. And I think one of the things I'm kind of subconsciously in the back of my mind helped make this go up higher is that. I liked the live version that they did on the uh, live videotape that I have. Like, you know, the, the two nights, the three nights that they did on, in Detroit, one of the nights they played that song. And I thought that they, it was really cool. It was much heavier, obviously, than the album version when they did it that way. But one thing that we're kind of talking about that needs to be addressed is how Ken said that, you know, the choruses are weak and that there's like, you know, three words repeated over and over again. It, it, that's definitely true. And I think the main problem with that is the fact that they got yanked back in to do a, a record very quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think they even said in one of the biographies that it, they had to write it so quickly. It was like, go into the studio this morning, we're working on this song. The next day, okay, we're working on this song. I just wrote it this morning again. Like everything was written so quickly, they, they didn't really have any attention to detail. And they couldn't because they had to write everything within like a week or something like that or less time to get it out there to go back on the road again. So, you know, I kind of forgive them. For that, and I can maybe understand why some of the choruses are not exactly, you know, Neil Peart in quality of the choruses, right? So, um, but I, overall, I like these songs. I mean, I even, I think Getaway is pretty catchy. It's a very ace-ish like guitar licks. And Peter Chris, I think, sings it fantastic. I, I love his voice in that song. And uh, I even thought it was very cool when they played it one time on the uh, cruise there when Eric Eric Singer did it. I thought it was really cool then, even when they played it and they brought it out again. So I, I always think it's been kind of one of those, you know, lost B-side gems that they should maybe pull out every once in a blue moon and play live. Yeah, you know, it, it's easy to forget how fast they put these songs together and how good they actually are and i totally agree i like like your point that you made about the detroit 76 videos where they do play it live and it's a you know ladies in waiting is a better song live you know i don't think it's Mm -hmm. the quintessential i disagree with it being the quintessential gene song because i just don't see him doing his blood spitting bit while ladies in waiting you know (laughs) just just doesn't seem to be one of those things that would work very well but uh all right let's move let's move on um before i get in any more trouble here so just trying to make sure I haven't screwed up anything with my math. All right, we've got a... Oh, no, this one's not a tie. In, what is it, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6th place. On 20 points, she. First guitar riffs I ever tried to play the song. I actually do like it, but I, I rated it low because it's just kind of a... All this up-tempo stuff, and then you get she, which is a real dynamic change. And it's just kind of clunky and kludgy and with fantastic freaking guitar work. Some of the very mm-hmm. best of Ace. That is just, you know, that's a standout of guitars on this album for me uh, within She. But the song itself, I just find a bit, 
monotonous. And maybe it's just because I've tired of it over the years. Um, obviously, it must have meant something to me to be the first song I tried to learn on guitar, other than maybe I thought that it was easy. Um, but there we go. Ken, she. Yeah, she. Um, what was that? Number three for me on my list, actually. Um, I like the song. I mean, I don't think I cared for it too much when I first heard it, but then it grew on me a lot. Um, I think part of it more of, of the uh, the playing on the on that song, like you said, the guitar solo and, and so on, and the and and it, you know it's, it's one of the few that kind of telling a story, I guess, uh, more so than some of the other songs. Um, I I always liked it. I just think it's a, a a great song, and again, it's even better. You know, once it's on a live. It's better. It's another live mm-hmm. song that's much comes to life um, on a live. So I, I have nothing to say bad about it. I think it's just uh, one of their classics as far as I'm concerned. Mark. Yeah, I mean, I agree with Ken. I think that uh, it's one of those songs that stands out very tall in a live on a live and uh I, I always thought that that was where it really shone the best. But on the album, the reason why I put it so low on mine is because it it is very much like a slow-moving 4x4 truck through mud. It's just really, really slow. Like I mean, and we have so many upbeat songs and quick songs, like two-minute songs, and this is the only one that's probably of the four-minute length and probably the only one that's at this slow a tempo. So it is kind of like a shock to the system. You have all these kind of upbeat songs and you're rocking through the whole record. All of a sudden this one comes, it's like, like you just, somebody hit the brakes all of a sudden. And I think that if it was done at the tempo that he did it on a live, it would have been better, I think. But I think it's just one of those songs that just works better in a live capacity than on studio. Yeah, and when you get to watch the guy actually doing the guitar work mm. and the interaction, yeah. because it's it's a very band kind of unified performance. Everyone's really mm-hmm. flailing away. Peter's going, you know, doing his thing. Paul's mm-hmm. working hard on the rhythm. I mean, the rhythm set, guitar in this is critical to laying a bed that Ace can fly over. And Gene's bass is just very understated and important and, you know, critical foundation to it yeah. so Lonnie what are your thoughts on she no it's it's great it's a it's a signature it's a signature kiss song and you know I but I am in agreement with you guys where it, as much as I like it on the album it sounds much better on a live but it is I don't have many bad things to say I don't have anything bad to say about it because it is you know it's it's one of those staple core songs going back going you know, from the beginning, even back to the Wicked Lester days, like Mark referenced earlier. So, you know, nothing. Only positive things to say about it. It's, I, I was lucky enough to see him play it a few times. So it's, it was definitely a standout the times I got to see him play that. So, and I'm very happy I was able to. One of these days, I'm going to have to do a list of every song I've seen them perform live. Yeah. That would be kind of interesting to figure out. <laughs> okay, we've got a uh, another tie now on 23 points, Rock Bottom and Room Service. So Room Service, obviously the opener. To me, it's like a caffeinated Jack Russell. It's too fucking happy. It's like, 
slap. Ah! <laughs> Not that I'm suggesting I beat Jack Russell's. Um, yeah, I I had. I still rank it high, though. I, I like it. It's a great way to start an album. It's the sort of energy that you want to hit an album with on track one, side you know, side one, track one. Um, so for all that happy, crappy energy, it's just a really fun one that you can't help, at least I can't help, um, start bopping my head to. So, Lonnie rock bottom great song great great way to open the album like i said i mean when we did our rearrangements of the album you know i i, I didn't have it on there as openers because for the sake of rearranging it but like i said before we did that you know i'm dressed to kill is dressed to kill and that's the track order on dressed to kill and it's it is a great way to open the album very poppy very upbeat hooks you in right away um great song yeah, no, I, did I, you I, say rock bottom? I did. I, I, they're both together, obviously. I, mean, I thought I was. I was room service. I was talking. I was talking about room. You're talking about room service. Yes. I talked. I was talking. Room yeah, service. that's similar worded songs in the same. I knew what he meant. Yeah, thank God someone does. Uh, Mark, room service. <laughs> well, I ranked it my favorite song. I've always loved. It. I loved the upbeat energy of it. I like the kind of juvenileish. Paul Stanley lyrics in this. Um, I think it's everything that an opening song is supposed to be. And I think that's why I like it so much. And how Ken kind of mentioned that he maybe put it lower in his ranking because he kind of got burnt out on it. This is one of the songs from the record that I just don't get burnt out at all. I think that that to me is a sign of a good song that I can listen to this, you know, numerous, numerous times and not get burnt out on it. And you know, uh, I just think that it's a well-written Paul Stanley opener. Has he had better opening songs? Yes, I'm sure there are many we can point out. But at this point in the career of Kiss, I think it's a standout opening song. Yeah. Okay, Ken. So you had this number nine. Mark had this number uh, number one. So why do you hate Jack Russell's and Paul Stanley? <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> Uh, room service so I don't hate it Um, again I said before that it was just uh, I guess I get tired of it as the lead lead song of the uh, album you know it's a frenetic song it's a fast pace which is cool Um, but that's why I thought that it would lead side two of the album there as a good start off for the side two um I know we're talking in their CDs now, and it wouldn't fall that way anymore. But uh, I still think, I think in terms of LPs, <laughs> when I when I think of these lists. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a fine song. There's there's really nothing wrong with it. I just again, I was just a little tired of it. Yeah, and that's that's I guess why all of us as Kiss fans we call it least favorite on this album, not hate most hated. It's yeah, not from, it's hated, not least yeah, hated to exactly. most hated. It's least favorite to most <laughs> favorite. So yeah. All right, rock bottom, which of course is tied. I I actually rated this the highest, and I just adore Ace's guitar intro, and make sure I'm talking yeah. about the right song. That is just one of the most out of place kind of pieces of music on any Kiss album apart from maybe Fanfare on The Elder um, to have this beautiful 12 string guitar work just very intricate great line 
and then it goes into a really strong Paul Stanley song. And I think Paul Stanley, you know, these for me were uh, four and five in order uh, because of that. Room service isn't quite as strong lyrically as the proper part of rock bottom is. And it's just great execution, great vocal, great everything throughout the song. Mark, rock bottom. Um, yeah, I'm, I didn't have it too low. I had it at like seven. Um, but I, I, I like the intro part as well. I mean, I remember when I started getting into Kiss heavily, that was one of the things I one day decided to grab my acoustic guitar and start working out how to play. And I think, in fact, if memory serves me correctly, one of my bands that I was in in the early 2000s, um, we actually played this song, intro and all, when we used to play gigs. And uh, it, got, it got quite the ovation for that, actually, which was interesting because uh, th- that time period, you know, it was still the ending of grunge kind of period and stuff like that. So I didn't expect Kiss to go over that great. But anyways, um, it's it's not a bad song. It is actually a very interesting combination of pieces. You know, you have like an ace acoustic piece that's really well thought out and, you know, played. And then you have a kind of straight ahead Paul Stanley rocker tune connected to it. Um but I think they work well together. They 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 sound good, and I think that it's a good upbeat song. But I mean, compared to other songs that Paul's done on this record, it just doesn't pull up as high in my in my ratings as some of the other ones does. So I mean, you know, it's it's just like anything. There's got to be always a, a first place, and there's always got to be a seventh place. So it's not that one's bad or terrible. It's just that you know, I like one better. Or I think one is stronger than the other. Or, or at least you did today because all of this yeah. could be different if right. we had this conversation. <laughs> Ken, how about you for Rock Bottom? Yeah, the the uh, Ace lead-in is just fantastic. I I, I don't get tired of that. Um, it's, and it just works. For some reason, it works. When it it's over, it stops, and uh, it kicks into Rock Bottom. I don't know what it is, but it, it works. It's like where when, they, when we heard it on... For instance, uh, Lonnie was talking about double double platinum, where it, it led into what she right. Yeah. Um, and it just it didn't work. It really didn't work at all. But somehow it works really well. And you know, I I had again I had double platinum first, and then heard it on Trust to Kill after, and Trust to Kill made it did it made more sense that way. So I was like, what what the hell were they thinking? Uh, on double platinum but anyway um it's just a great song i think it's a, one of uh one of paul stanley's great you know well-written songs that he's he's done on the on their early albums so um i, I always love listen to that one yeah i always uh, kind of go now it gets rough you know yes exactly <laughs> Or whatever Paul says in MTV Unplugged, yeah. so that's just embedded in my head that there should yeah. be some, he should be saying something in between that. Great transition, perfect. Okay, so in third place, on thirty points, "Lover All I Can." I said everything I need to say about this song. I love playing. I I get the guitar. Well, I'd have to get it out of my closet. The guitar with the right tuning to play this one, but I love <laughs> playing this. 
and it, it's sh and it's one of the few songs. I mean, I have great difficulty playing and singing at the same time, but you just kind of lose yourself in this. It's just pop perfection, which surprises me because I usually hate pop. Ken, what about Lover All I Can for you? Yeah, like you say, it's a poppy type, catchy song, and uh, it just really works. Uh, it's it's well written, well written song, surprisingly, in the short period of time that they had. So, um, and again, this one's kind of yeah, it tells a little bit of a story, but uh, it's just a, a a good, well written, cool Paul stuff, you know, Paul song. I don't know. I, I like it. I don't. That's another one I don't get tired of. Um, any day I'll listen to that, I won't, you know, I'll enjoy it when it comes on. Yep, agreed. Lonnie, you know, I. It's a great song, and I was really excited when they started doing it on 04 during the Rock the Nation tour, and I was really, really hoping I'd get to hear that when they came, and I didn't, but. I still went out and bought the instant lives of when they did so I could have a good version of that song. And that was a totally separate topic, but it was fun going out and collecting those to make sure you had <laughs> the ones really, it was expensive, but it was good to get those songs that you you know, buy in different concerts so you can get one song. But um, I was hoping they'd play here. They did not. It's, but I was just glad they were playing stuff like that at the time. And giving that song some of the recognition that it deserves because it is Teco Julian and Ken said it's great and I it's a song that if it comes on when I have just kiss on like a shuffle on my phone or something I'm at home it's one that I never ever skip because I'm always glad to hear it so it's it's great so nothing bad to say at all I think the girls you were driving would have preferred it to two times <laughs> probably they probably preferred much of anything I had on <laughs> Mark how about you yeah, I mean, I, I I like the song quite a lot too. Um, I think the thing that inst instantly hooked me on this was uh, the harmonized vocals and the verses. I thought that was really well done. I think that usually Paul has a tendency of just kind of being alone singing his stuff, like without anybody else kind of backing him. But this is like a very strong, like almost three part harmony going on in that verse. I, I think it's really well done. And, uh, the guitar chords at the very top are pretty interesting too. Off uh, the top, it's not just your basic kind of you know three chord thing. He has like a little bit more of a kind of interesting inversions going on there, and uh, I, I like it. I think it's a great song. It's catchy. Uh, it still has enough power to it to not be lame sounding, and I, I think they did a great, great, great job with it. I, it's another one of those songs where, like Lonnie said, you know they played it in 2004. It would be great if they would pull it out, you know, sometime even now. Like, I think it's a good song that could be played in any set list. It's a great song. And why not represent it in its 50th anniversary time? You know, I think it's a I think it's really good. Uh, but like again, the thing that really made it stand out for me was those vocals and their great stuff. Yeah, they could easily drop it into the set in place of one of Paul's raps. All right. Um <laughs> We're into our top two. Mm -hmm. So um, no one's surprised by the top two if you've been keeping track. So I'll just run down the rest of the order. From least favorite to most favorite, two-timer. And a thing for my baby. Ladies in waiting, get away. She, room service, rock bottom, lover all I can. And in number two, rock and roll all night. And 
I, I don't think that's surprising. It's a great song. It's, uh, you know, come on, core to the Kiss catalog. I, I don't think too many people are going to hate it. Um, but I no surprise that it's in second place. Ken? Yeah. It's uh, Ken's favorite that. song. It's the favorite song on uh, this album. Yeah. That's <laughs> not my favorite all-time Kiss song. No. Um, but it's the favorite song on this album. I just think it's great. Uh, yes. I even, you know, I'm tired of hearing it to a degree. Um, but I just have to give it props for for being a, a, a well-written song that somehow came together from two different songs that, you know, Gene had and, and, and Paul, Paul had this rock, you know, I want to rock and roll night part, uh, catchy part chorus written out. And, and Gene had a great, a great verse that, that just fit with it, uh, that transitioned into the uh, melody. So, it's just amazing that a song like that can be piecemeal and, and turn out so so great into an anthem. It's just surprising. But I love I love the song, you know, great song, and so it's going to be, you know, the, the rock and roll national anthem, like Paul says. It, it kind of is. Yep. Mark. Yeah, I mean, when we when we just look at it from a different angle, if we were somebody who just started getting into Kiss now and heard this for the first time, I'm sure our opinion will be vastly different in the sense that it might be the greatest song you've heard ever, you know, but like we've heard it, you know, hundreds of thousands of times now as Kiss fans. So yeah, of course we're going to be kind of burnt out on it and think of a hundred other songs that are better, but I had it pretty high in my ranking too, at a number three. So I, I, I kind of acknowledge the fact that it is a well-written song it was a song that did great things for the band. It kind of, you know, helped get them on the map a bit more than they had prior to that. So, you know, it it had to be decent enough to do that, right? I understand there was obviously some payola involved, but that's besides the point. But, you know, I I still think it's a great song. You know, they they played every single show, so that's got to tell you something right there. I mean, as much as they're probably burnt out on playing it, think about it. They're going on tours and playing, you know, yeah. 200 shows a year, and they they have to play the song every single night. So if anybody's burnt out on it, it's them, right? But yeah. it's a great song, and people want to sing along with it when they're in concerts. So that just right there says everything you need to know. If you have 20,000 or 50,000 or 10,000 people always singing along with it, it's a great song. Absolutely. Lonnie? It's a signature, not only a Kiss song, but it's signature song period and it's a song that people are going to be playing long after they're gone it's a song that has stood and will stand the test of time for many many years to come so you know exactly what you guys said it's it's a well-written song it's you know what they did is piece it together and you know out comes you know the steel line from gene the cream rises to the top and it's 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 fantastic. It's it's a great song. I mean, there, it's there's there's no mystery as to why it you know propelled them from a band that was struggling to a band that had made it through the version that's on Alive. So it's as much as we may be tired of of hearing it, it's very easy to sing its praises as well, and it's very easy to see why that song propelled them from one level 
to another. And it says, yeah. you know, it, it stood the test of time and it will continue to. Yeah. And I got to say one, one last thing to it. This is one of the rare instances of where oh. Peter Chris contributed something that, like you said, will be forever remembered for generations to come. That drum beat that he does at the very top. I mean, I played in this band, like I was saying before, and we did this tour of Canada. And just as a little joke thing in the encore, we would always start our encore with that drum beat. And people would always just right away, yeah, get up because they they know know what that. They know what it is. They know what that is. Is. Yeah. And that one, and there's only and there's only one other song that ever got a reaction like that that we did when we just played the drum beat is we're not going to take it. That drum beat at the beginning, of we're not going to take it, is mm. another example of a song where you can know right away as soon as you hear that drum beat, what's coming up. So hats off to Peter Chris for coming up with something that's simple but catchy enough that everybody knows right away. And the other the other thing that Lonnie was talking about is is to the test of time. You hear it now more on the radio than it ever was played when. It first yeah. was released I'm as sure. a single, I'm I mean, sure. or even back in the '70s at all. I mean, it's it became a lot more popular later on, um, and it and it plays now, you know, which is remarkable. Yeah, like 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 sporting events and like everywhere you go, oh, it's, it's, yeah, you, hear it. you can't help but hear it. I mean, it's like like songs like that and like Welcome to the Jungle, like things like that that yeah. they play at sporting events. I mean, everywhere you go, I mean that's that song is is played. It's just part of. Of, of American culture, American. North American culture. Sorry, Mark. And it, it, it just, it's just embedded in, in us, and it, and it, and it, and it, can, and it will continue to be. It's like, and I don't, it's not fair to make comparisons to the Beatles, but I mean, it's in a sense, it's like a Beatle, Beatlesque song where it will, it will continue on well past that. Wow, that's beautiful, man. Thank you. <laughs> that's like the mic drop of the episode it will it will though I, i'm not mocking you I'm... thank you at least right. someone doesn't yeah. <laughs> all right so we've arrived at the uh this kiss faq panels favorite song from dress to kill drum roll steve where are you i need a, a drop here um come on and love me no surprise whatsoever if i was to be uh forced to name my top five kiss songs yeah. on the spot that would be one of them along with deuce the other three oh god i'd have to think fast but uh come on and love me just utter perfection i just can't believe i'd just love to know from paul about the writing of that song you know a bit more than what's been written because it's just a stunning song it, it's the one song on the album that's like perfectly crafted i can't fault it in any way so i'm i'm glad it's number one rightfully so um even if i had lover all i can as my favorite it's a you know, the, you know come on toss it between that and come on and love me those two songs you know to me represent everything that's great about this album um ken what about you great song it's a i don't know if it's in my top five but it's it's pretty it's pretty high um it's just a, it's great how he, he wrote it it's so different than a lot of what else he's written um uh, it'd be interesting to know what he was going for like you said ask paul what what he was how he wrote it uh what the inspiration was maybe musically from uh his his bands that he you know listened to um because it doesn't sound like to me it doesn't sound like any other uh copy of a of another band or anything um so it's it's really interesting and 
and this one is just a lot of a lot of great verses and it just ends with you know come on and love me i mean it's as simple as that and it works it just just works so uh, great great another great kiss song hi mark is that jackie yeah jackie's trying to pop her head up here how's she doing good she's uh pretty much back to normal yeah, very energetic, running around, chasing squirrels. And last night I almost got into a bit of trouble with her again because she chased a raccoon in her backyard. So <laughs> I had to stop her from getting into there. So. All right, so while we're talking about love, come on and love me. Yeah, so um, come on and love me obviously is, uh, you know, Paul Stanley's, you know, stellar grade A written song for this record. I mean, I think that he really hit the ball out of the park on this one. I mean, everything about it is strong. The verse, the chorus, the intro, even his little guitar solo that he plays at the top of the song is, is really well done. You know, I mean, you can't imagine it played any other way or any differently than the way it is on this record. And, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with this song in any sense. I mean, if they were trying to write a song, that was geared toward radio, I think that they, you know, nailed it pretty much with this song. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. And I mean, I was talking once with a friend of mine where we said the, you know, the best way to make a great, you know, best of record would be to take uh, songs off of each record, like your two favorite songs, and uh, put them on there the two best off of each record and this would be definitely one of them off of this record i think it's probably one of the best standout songs on dress to kill great it's perfect lonnie now you you ranked this the highest out of all of us because you ranked it number your favorite song off the album the rest of us had it as our second favorite so that that's why it wins substantially because consistent high rankings why is it not only your favorite song but what makes it such a great song it it's again, it's, and I said it when, when I ranked the songs that if I had to pick my top five kiss songs, it would be in there every single time, no matter when you ask me, it would always be in my top five kiss songs. It's so damn catchy and the lyrics and the, the verses are so, are so great. I mean, it's, she's a dancer, a romancer. I'm a Capricorn. She's a cancer. She saw my picture in a music magazine. I mean, it's awesome. I mean, you can you couldn't you couldn't write a song. And Paul said in an interview I read a couple maybe about a year or so ago, two years ago, that he was I couldn't write a song like that again if you put a gun to my head. Yeah. I mean, it's it's that <laughs> freaking good that you know sometimes the magic just comes naturally and you you just couldn't do it again if you tried because it's so darn good and i i said it when i saw him a couple weeks ago i was like man it's too bad they couldn't squeeze that into the set somehow i mean you guys played the game a couple weeks ago of take five songs out put five songs in if i could take if i could put one song in it would be this every time and i know like i know i'm always come on here that oh, I'm the revenge guy, this and that. If I could have one song squeezed into the set list, it would be "Come On and Love Me." I would love to hear that one more time. I've got I've gotten to hear him play it a few times. I remember we were in um my brother and I saw him in Sault Ste. Marie back in 07 on that hit and run tour, 
And it was really cool because it was of the three or four shows that they played on that hit and run tour that Sault Ste. Marie was the first night. So we had no idea what they were going to play. You know, we knew they were going to play all American man because of that hole that they did on kiss online, but we had no idea what they were going to play. And at one, you know, in between songs and my brother and I are like, okay, what are they going to do? And he goes, Paul goes, this one's called come on and love me. And my brother and I like, fuck, we just high five each other. It was so <laughs> awesome. You know, it's like a mo- you know, moment, you know, moments like that you don't forget. So, cause he, he feels the same way about the song that I did, but it's just amazing. And again, my top kiss songs of all time, lyrically, um, musically, it's just a masterpiece. You know, Lonnie, you should have been, you should have played this song when you were driving those two girls. You know what? Yeah. This is advice I could have used from both of you about 20 years ago. <laughs> All right. Did we get everyone's thoughts on that one? I lost, mm-hmm. I lost track. I think so. I think that's a good place to end it. I've got a bunch of other questions that, you know, let's save all that because we can always do another episode about Dress to Kill and do all the stuff that we haven't talked about um, with this album. But for everyone who's, you know, made it this far to discover what our favorite song is off the album, you know, what would be your ranking? You know, what is your favorite and least favorite song off this album? Um, you know, what are the songs that you think should have been a single? And, um, you know, for any of the other questions that we've kind of asked about it, what do you think about our picks? I mean, who got it completely wrong as far as you're concerned and who got it completely right? Um, you know, but I guess we'll leave that there for now. And for now, from Mark and Ken, from Lonnie and myself, thank you for listening, and we shall see you next time. Bye. Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.